Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal's not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. My friends at MyPillow, my buddy Mike Lindell, told me he was coming out with a brand new product. It's called the New Mattress Topper. So I got the New Mattress Topper immediately, and I've been sleeping on it now for a couple of months. It's the best thing you've ever felt in your life. Now, you literally have MyPillow Foam for Support. It's a transitional foam that helps relieve pressure points, and it's ultra-soft, patented temperature regulating cover. And I got to tell you, it has a 10-year warranty, a cover that's washable and dryable. It's made in the USA, backed by their 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee. Once you try this new mattress topper, you put it right over your mattress, you will never sleep better. And right now, you, my radio listeners, you're going to save 30% off when you go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code TOPPER. And by the way, Mike will also give you two standard MyPillows absolutely free. All right, so try MyPillow.com promo code TOPPER, promo code TOPPER for this great deal and the best night's sleep you ever had. All right, 22 days, that means three weeks from tomorrow, you, the American people, get to decide who is going to run the House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate. We have important Senate races all over the country. By the way, and I'll be very frank, if you're in Montana and John Tester's race, if you are in Heidi Heitkamp's North Dakota, Joe Donnelly's Indiana, Claire McCaskill's Missouri, um, if you're out there in Arizona, I don't know why anybody in Arizona would ever vote for Miss Cinema after all the information came out about Arizonans being crazy, the meth capital of the world, and everything else that's been revealed. Uh, Dean Heller's just barely hanging on. He needs uh, to be reelected out in Nevada. That's an important race. Or Florida. Rick Scott, who always does a phenomenal job for the people of Florida. I mean, he has done so much for that state. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at him now. He's with the president. The president and the first lady are touring the hurricane devastation down in the panhandle area. And they're going to be headed to Georgia, as I understand it, also later today. And and 
And uh, as a lot, by the way, people also, too, uh, the amount of uh, help on the ground has been pretty substantial. You can see the distribution centers where, I mean, everything that they had prepositioned from water, food, medicine, supplies, cots, blankets, it's all there. Um, we've learned a thing or two, thankfully, from some past hurricanes. Uh, did you? Oh, do you ever have any doubt the media is so abusively biased? You ever have any doubt about it? Leslie Stahl couldn't be any more confrontational with Donald Trump. So I actually went back. Forget about that interview. We're going to be playing parts of it throughout the program today. And I thought the president handled it pitch perfect. And the answers, I mean, just like, for example, Obama had, you know, talk about separation and kids in cages. Well, that happened in the Obama years. He didn't do anything to fix the law at the time. And she was wrong. When are they going to come out? And uh, and say, whoops, we got it wrong. But here's an example. In all the times that Barack Obama was interviewed by 60 Minutes, he never had that type of confrontation. Here's some of the examples. When was the first moment that it began to sink in that you were president of the United States? The goal will be to get Congress to pass an economic stimulus package that he hopes will create jobs and put money in the pockets of ordinary citizens. Construction programs to shore up the nation's creaky infrastructure, a tax cut for the middle class, and his first initiatives on health care. How's your life changed in the last 10 days? You've spoken to some former presidents. I have. Any advice, any good advice they gave you? What was your conversation like the next morning at the breakfast table with the kids? There are a number of different things that you could do early pertaining to executive orders. Right. What are you reading right now? Are you going to make a lot of speeches? Are you going to talk a lot to the American people? People like you. They respect you. They think that you're working hard, and, and they realize that you right, faced okay. an enormous amount. Here's just a little sample of Leslie Stahl and how confrontational she is. And if this, again, it just proves my point that journalism's dead and that the media in this country is nothing but an extension of all things liberal, all things democratic. You know something? They've never told the story of the eight failed years of Obama. That's why in 22 days, three weeks from tomorrow, you've got to know something. If you are in these states, if you're in Montana, North Dakota, if you're in Indiana, if you're in Missouri, if you're in Nevada, Arizona, Florida, uh, Texas, where Ted Cruz is running. I'm actually going to be in Texas in and around the Houston area on, on Saturday this coming week. I'll give you some advance warning. If you're there and you vote for a Democrat, you're basically voting for Schumer. Any House district, if you don't go out and vote for the Republican you're giving a half a vote to Nancy Pelosi. If you vote for the Democrat, you're voting for Nancy Pelosi. Because everybody in the Democratic Party, with like no exceptions, is hard radical left. And you know, here's Leslie Stahl, just as a comparison with Trump on 60 Minutes. Do you still think that climate change is a hoax? I wish you could go to Greenland. Uh, watch uh -oh. these huge chunks of ice just falling into the ocean, raising the sea levels. What if he said, no, I've seen the hurricane situations. I've changed my mind. There really is climate change. And I thought, wow, what an impact. What an impact well, that denying. would make. This is a guy you I love. I know all these things. I mean, I'm not a baby. I know, I know but things. why do you love that guy? But you and said, I love him. 
Okay, that's it's just like a figure of speech. No, it's like an embrace. You, you, well, let it be an embrace. Let it be whatever yeah, it is to get the job done. He's a bad guy. China, China, let's go. Skipping across the world here. You've slapped a lot of tariffs on that. $250 billion. Going to do more? Might. Are you trying to... All right, anyway, to- it goes on from there. I mean, it was. It is just the typical thing that you'd expect. Um, all right, we got a lot on the program. We got this election, and we're going to talk about it in detail. We had riots over the weekend in New York City and in Portland, and it's getting ugly. And I don't think it should surprise anybody in light of the rhetoric that we've been hearing, you know, about getting people's faces and create a crowd. And when you create a crowd, follow them into department stores and restaurants and gas stations. What do you think is going to happen when those types of things are said? And I'm not look at the end of the day, people are responsible for their own behavior. But when you're when you see this, we're going to look back here. If Rand Paul's right and I'm right, somebody's going to get severely hurt or killed in all of this. And we're going to look at the signs and symptoms. We're all there. And we'll think about Pam Bondi and what happened to her and Secretary Nielsen and what happened to her. And we'll think about, oh, other things like, uh, oh, Sarah Sanders and her family and Ted Cruz and his wife and Mitch McConnell and his wife. I mean, at some point, someplace, somewhere, something's going to happen. And if you didn't see it this weekend, I mean, you had a demonstration billed as a march for law and order in the streets of Portland descending into chaos as you have rival political factions now breaking into bloody brawls downtown Portland on Saturday night. You had members of some group called the Patriot Prayer. I've never heard of them. And they're their black clad adversaries known as Antifa using bear spray, bear fists, batons, thrashing each other outside what's known as Kelly's Olympian. It's a popular bar on Southwest Washington Street. That melee, which lasted, you know, fairly long period of time, riot cops rushed in, firing pepper ball sprays at the street fighters. Portland Police Bureau reported seeing the protests and counter-protest participants outfitted in with hard-knuckle uh, gloves, knives, firearms earlier in the evening. Why didn't they do something about it? Police didn't make one arrest Saturday night, not one, but they're investigating. Now, this scene is unfolding amid tensions among both groups, uh, fueled by, in part, uh, some national news stories. You had the march in, in Portland against the uh, police r- brutality last week, drew headlines after law enforcement's You know, they had a hands-off approach to the event, was blamed for an encounter between protesters and an elderly driver, which was caught on tape. That outraged many, including uh, some leader of this group out there, Patriot Prayer. And anyway, a viral uh, video surfaced showing in New York City members of the group, which I also never heard of, Proud Boys, some type of male chauvinist organization, uh, beating two or three protesters in New York City after an event at a Republican headquarters. So what you have is, you know, I know the media has been reporting that a, they were a group of white supremacists. I don't, I don't know anything about them. But there was a, a hate rally at Republican headquarters in New York City anyway where, you know, the way the media is portraying it, I just have no idea because I don't have it. But according to the Daily Caller, Antifa members actually vandalized the Metropolitan Republican Club in New York ahead of an appearance of this group, Proud Boys, prompting an outbreak of violence there. It's fascinating that Andrew Cuomo, the governor up for re-election in New York, he's not going to have any trouble, in my opinion, sadly. He's blaming it on Donald Trump. He blamed the president after Antifa attacked 
the Republican headquarters in New York City. Um, the Southern Poverty Law Center has a history of, of smearing Republican organizations as white supremacists, neo-Nazis. They have labeled this group a hate group. What do they call Antifa? You know, remember, if you go back in 2016, the same so-called watchdog group put housing and urban development secretary Ben Carson on its extremist watch list. Ben Carson. Because he supports traditional marriage. Um, Anyway, Sarah Carter reported that the night before the leader, I guess it's Gavin McGinnis, is the head of this thing. Antifa had threatened to attack his group, leaving a note that read, Our attack is merely a beginning. This is from Antifa. We're not passive. We're not civil. We won't apologize. Those of good conscience and a clear mind know this state of oppression cannot remain. The U.S. fascist political system is one of the most savage institutions in history, and we will combat it relentlessly until all free, uh, all are free of American barbarism. And in the Antifa attack that commenced the next day, anyway, listen, here's my point. Bernie Sanders, by the way, declines to condemn the protesters. You've got to understand something here. After all these incidents of high profile and then leading culminating last week with Hillary, Eric Holder and others, Maxine Waters and what she's been saying. This is it's almost like people are giving marching orders here. And I don't care if you're a part of a right wing nut group, a left wing nut group. You can't turn America into, you know, riots in our cities every weekend. And I think these the people that ought to be calming the waters here are leaders, elected officials. And just the opposite is happening. Hillary, you can't be civil. Maxine Waters, create a crowd, push back, follow them into restaurants and gas stations. You know, you know, they go low, we go, they go high, we go, they go low, we go high. No, they go low, we kick them. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. Not welcome anymore, anywhere. Not welcome anymore, anywhere. What are we talking about? Alec Baldwin, we need to overthrow the government of the United States under Donald Trump. The way we implement change, the way we implement change in America is through elections. We change governments here at home in an orderly and formal way. That's and right, in through that the ballot orderly box. And formal way and lawful way, we need to overthrow the government of the United States under Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump's not on the ballot, but certainly Congress is. We have more evidence that they want to manipulate where their vote is this year. All right, we got a lot to get to. Now, we're going to go over all the polls coast to coast. We have some deep state updates. Now, Glenn Simpson, he's going to plead the fifth. I am telling you, the puzzle is almost complete about the deep state abuse of power, and it is one ugly sight. We'll update that with you with Joe DeGeneva, Victoria Tunsing, and Jason Chavitz today. Uh, we'll talk more about the riots, more about 60 Minutes. Uh, also, what happened to the journalist Jamal Khashoggi? We're getting reports now coming out 
this hour that, in fact, they're claiming it might be an accident and charges going back and forth between the U.S. and the Saudis as to what happened when he walked into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. So we'll get to that today and we'll get your calls in as well. 800-941-SEAN is our number. With only a kite, a house key, and wet hemp string, Benjamin Franklin captured lightning in a bottle. Over 260 years later, with a little resourcefulness, ingenuity, and grit. We're not only capturing energy from the sun and wind, we're storing it, ensuring Americans have the energy they need whenever they need it. Learn more about the nation's leader in energy storage at nexteraenergy.com. How did it not start with the biggest news of the day? Looks like Senator Warren released the results of her DNA testing. By the way, I had this done with uh, Ancestry.com. I did a long time ago. And you, you just give them some of your DNA, some of your saliva, I think hair. I forgot what I did. Anyway, um, and it turned out that I was 100% British Isle. In other words, Irish. I had known all four of my grandparents that come from Ireland. 100% is kind of rare, but whatever. Um, anyway, so Elizabeth Warren has released a DNA test that provides strong evidence that she had a Native American in her family dating back six to ten generations. Now, what it means is, if you interpret it, if our great, great, great grandmother was Native American, that would put her at one thirty second American Indian. But the report includes the possibility that she's only one five hundred and twelfth. Native American, if the ancestor goes back 10 generations, the analysis apparently done by Carlos Bustamante from Stanford University, a professor expert in the field, apparently won some big 2010 MacArthur Fellowship known as a, um, you know, a genius grant for his work on tracking population migration with DNA analysis. You know, he said that the vast majority of Warren's ancestry is European. The problem is, is that when she was at Harvard, the time that she was there, and I believe one other university she was teaching at, is she was listed as Native American. And that that's how they, you know, promoted her. As Not that she got hired that way. There was one report that said Harvard says they didn't hire her because of that. But in other words, they were billing her, is the better term, as Native American. And if it's one in 512, she's not really Native American. And she let that go on forever and ever and ever. Now, maybe in an effort to get rid of the issue before her run for president in 2020, I guess that might be one of the reasons. Um, All right. When we come back, we're going to go over all the latest poll numbers. Democrats advise not to speak about unpopular open border policies. Well, they can't talk about impeachment. They can't talk about open borders. Well, can't, they can't talk about taking the crumbs back. What can they talk about? It's all one big lie. Do you still think that climate change is a hoax? Look, I think something's happening, something's changing, and it'll change back again. I don't think it's a hoax. I think there's probably a difference, but it, I don't know that it's man-made. I will say this. Um, I don't want to give trillions and trillions of dollars. I don't want to lose millions and millions of jobs. I don't want to be put at a disadvantage. I wish you could go to Greenland. 
uh, watch these huge chunks of ice just falling into the ocean, raising the sea levels. And you don't know whether or not that would have happened with or without man? You don't know? Well, you're scientists. You're scientists at no, NOAA have, and NASA. No, we have NASA. scientists that disagree with that. You know, I, I was thinking, what if he said, no, I've seen the hurricane situations. I've changed my mind. There really is climate change. And I thought, wow, what an impact. What an impact well, that denying, would make. I'm not denying climate change, but it could very well go back. You know, we're talking about well, over that's millions of years. It. They say that we had hurricanes that were far worse than what we just had with Michael. Who says that? They say. You mean well, the people, people say. The people phone? say that in the... Yeah, but what about night? the scientists who say it's worse than ever? Uh, you'd have to show me the scientists because... They have a very big political agenda, Leslie. I can't bring Look, them Scientists in. also have a political agenda. Where was it, Angela, the, the altered climate change data? If science was, as Al Gore and others would tell you, if it was so purely perfect, there's no disagreement in the scientific community. It's just not true. Why would they have to alter the data back at that time? By the way, Joe Bastardi's listening, and he heard that. He's about to lose his mind. Uh, I'm, I, why do I know? And the president was down visiting the devastation left by Michael in the hurricane. You called that a 1,000% right. I think up to now we've lost 19 people is the latest number I've heard. But, you know, thankfully, most people listened and got out. Uh, Joe Bastardi's with weatherbell.com. That, that annoyed you, I know, right? Well, exchange. First of all, uh, By the way, why, who all, interviews the president? She went to debate the president. She didn't want to interview the president. She wanted to debate him. First of all, uh, Greenland, folks, the last two years, Greenland has had near record snowfall. And the reason why the North Atlantic is changing, it's getting colder again. We're going back to the cold period of the uh, Atlantic multi-decadal oscillation like we were in the 80s and 90, early 90s, and that's a natural cyclical process. So the past two years, if you look at the charts, you can see Greenland has had well above normal snowfall and near record snowfall. So Greenland, she, apparently she's unaware of this because two or three years ago, of course, Greenland wasn't that way. So right what about Antarctica? So, so Antarctica is up near normal. They were record-breaking, record-breaking high about five, six years ago. Then they came down below, and they're back near normal. Now, let me let me say this: the president answered the the question perfectly, and here's why. Up until now, climate change. First of all, everyone believes the climate changes. So the, her question is based on a false premise that he doesn't believe the climate changes. The climate has always changed naturally until now. People are saying that now it's man that's doing it. How does not questioning it make any sense? In other words, if you were just to blindly accept something after 10 million years, every single time it was natural. Now, well, you know whether than every, anybody else better than anyone else. I mean, uh, uh, okay, when you look back at the, yeah. the Earth's temperature, has it gotten cooler and then warmer and then warmer and then cooler? It has. So questioning it, questioning authority is what he's doing, and that's his background. That's fine. Now, let me, let me give Leslie four, if, if she's listening, if you're listening, and we'll give you four examples that intensified more rapidly than Michael right off the top of my head. 1935 hurricane went from a tropical storm to a Category 5 in 36 hours. Hurricane Camille in 1969 came 11 days across the Atlantic as a tropical wave 
48 hours later at Category 5. Hurricane Celia, with 180-mile-an-hour wind gust into Corpus Christi, went from a hurricane of Category 1 to a Category 4 in the 24 hours coming into Corpus Christi, 1970. And Gerda... In 1969, when over the Nantucket lightship with 125-mile-an-hour winds, 36 hours before, 50-mile-an-hour tropical storm, and that's way up in the North Atlantic. There are countless examples of rapid feedback development. It was a textbook case for it, and it's amazing watching this go on in front of my eyes of people saying, how did this happen? How did it, it, It's right out of my classes at Penn State in 1972. In the 1970s. Well, remember, Time Magazine had the coming Ice Age back on the cover in the 70s. So there is an ebb and flow to the the climate, to to the Earth's temperature. But, you know, if you want to look at, you know, emissions or uh, man-made factors, what the president is also saying is competitively, it's we are not the biggest polluter on the planet. Far from it. And he's pointing to countries like China. Go ahead. And we're cleaning it up quicker than ever. Has anybody ever looked at who is leading the world in reducing CO2 uh, United uh, States. emissions? I mean, and it's because we, we, we're profitable and we're putting it back into But the fact is that some of these questions were based on uh, things that are almost opposite, or apparently she, uh, uh, Miss Stahl was unaware. Well, you've got to remember, for many, for many, for some, some, I guess, you know, just want to believe what they want to believe, but there's also ulterior motives and political motives. And in some well, cases, so. it's I- about capitalism. It's about, you know, the concept that, you know, man is destroying its environment and pillaging it all for profit. And we've heard these arguments over the years, many, many times. All right, but I got to go. I got a lot of other news. Okay. Joe Bastardi. Thanks. Thanks. All right, my friend. Weatherbell.com. I just want to say, let me play a little bit of, of some of the rioting that took place this weekend. And I don't really care. Listen, if you're Antifa left, if you're you know part of some far-out right-wing radical group, you know what? Everybody needs to just knock it off because somebody's going to get killed here. And I'm serious. And if you find yourself, your family in any of these situations, things, my advice is get out of the way because there are a lot of dangerous people out there. And the fact that we didn't have police come in faster in Portland, I think, was a huge mistake. We saw the assault on these drivers. That was by Antifa, what, a week ago. And these congressmen and women, they need to calm the waters on every side and tell everybody, you know, knock it off. I mean, listen to, this is just one, we'll show you the video tonight, but this is out of control. By the way, Bernie Sanders wouldn't condemn the violence this weekend. I I condemn it all. I don't care what side you're on. It just is uh, out of control. Innocent people are going to end up getting hurt here. All right, so we're 22 days out of this election. Remember, I said that one of the things the Democrats will never say is, now we're going to impeach 45, but just don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Remember? And then Maxine Waters, they keep telling me not to say it, but I'm going to say it. Impeach 45, impeach 45. She's she's honest about it. She's telling everybody, yeah, we're going to do it, but they're telling me not to say it because it's not going to help us 
in the election in 22 days. Now we have a piece out. Democrats are being advised not to speak about their unpopular open border policies. It is very difficult to win on immigration. This was a memo obtained by the New York Times and left-wing consultants for the Center for American Progress. That's Podesta's group. And uh, the think tank Third Way advising Democrats running for re-election to spend as little time as possible talking about immigration and the immigration issue. Where more than one and a half million immigrants are admitted to the country every year. And they reported sanctuary attacks pack a punch, says the four-page memorandum put together by the Center for American Progress. And, uh, you know, shared about a dozen briefings with Democrats. and So they can't talk about anything they want to do. Let me interpret that for you. Let me lie any way we can and never tell you what we plan on doing. Well, we know what they plan on doing. Endless investigation. Impeachment of Trump, open borders, which they won't talk about. Impeachment, they won't talk about. You have Shifty Schiff announcing plans for nearly a dozen brand new anti-Trump investigations in the House alone if they get control of the House. That's why I'm telling you, if every House race, if you don't get out in 22 days, I don't care what Democrat's name is on the ballot. If you vote for the Democrat, you're voting for Pelosi. You vote for a Democratic senator. McCaskill, Donnelly, Heidkamp, Tester, Nelson, uh, you know, this woman out in Arizona, whatever her name is, that thinks Arizonans are crazy. Cinema. I mean, you're, you're voting for Schumer. It's the same thing. You don't vote. It's a half a vote for the Democratic senators and House members. Anyway, Washington Examiner points out Trump is likely to face at least five new House investigations. Our caucus, led by Nancy Pelosi, will need to ruthlessly prioritize the most important matters first, he said. Adam Schiff, member of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, listed five different investigations. He says that the Democrats will start once they take over. And one that will prove his charge that Russians are laundering money through properties owned by the Trump family. And the intelligence will assess the work of Robert Mueller, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it just it's never going to end ever. They don't care about the, the country or the future of the country. By the way, Hillary says in an interview, Bill Clinton didn't abuse his power with a 22 year old intern with the sex toy in the Oval Office. What role, if any, did you play in criticizing the character of the women who have accused Bill of sexual misconduct? None. No None. role. No role. I take responsibility for my life and my actions. She also stood by his side as he was impeached after lying about his affair with a White House intern. Some today have said he should have stepped down. But, but remember, th- let me just add here. You know, she's defending him all she wants. But that doesn't address Juanita Broderick, Kathleen Willey, and Paula Jones. And her saying that Bill did not abuse his power. How can you say she's an intern? It is classic workplace sexual harassment because he's got all the power. He's the president. Well, whatever. I mean, I don't know why Hillary's so defiant on the issue, but she is. Um, So we got the uh, let me tell you what's going to happen, though, in 22 days, because I think this is important. We have a CBS News battleground poll showing that the House races are in a statistical tie. My advice to you is to think three weeks from tomorrow, you're going to turn on the TV and get bad news because maybe that will motivate you. And the agenda is simple. Impeach, investigate, open borders, eliminate ICE, 
They want their crumbs back. They want Obamacare. What else do you really need to know? Anyway, they find that the battleground states, the race for control of the House, is now within the margin of error, which means a statistical tie. The same CBS survey finds that for Democrats to win, they have to rely on voters who say that they're going to vote this year but did not turn out in the 2010 or 2014 midterms. If the elections are held today, Democrats would stand to win 226 seats, they claim, more than the 218 needed for the majority, Republicans winning the remaining 209. But the margin of error in each of those, it's tight. That's why I keep mentioning names on Hannity every night and on Hannity.com. Marsha Blackburn has pulled out a, a bigger lead against Bredesen, and I have to believe the tape that was put out by Project Veritas is putting some a highlight on that. You know, the new rock star of the Democratic Party, Beto O'Rourke, has got something like $60 million he's throwing at Ted Cruz, but Ted Cruz is still up by eight. I'm going to be in the Houston area on Saturday of this coming week. I'm going to do a town hall, which ought to be fun. Uh, we have just a two-point lead for Heller in an important race versus Rosen in Nevada. I mean, Heller, that's an important seat to hold. In the case with Arizona, McSally's finally taken a lead there. I've got to believe that her lead's going to get bigger once it begins to resonate what cinema uh, has been saying about people in her own state whenever she travels abroad. Uh, if you look at some of these other you know, districts, it's very, very tight. I honestly can't tell you what's going to happen. In 26 days, uh, 20, 22 days, I can't tell you. But I will tell you, you got to personalize this election. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, look at her. Is That's who you're voting for if you're voting for a Democrat. That's if you vote for a senator that's a Democrat, you're voting for Chuck Schumer. And they're a radical left agenda. You know, if you, if you want to know what it's between lower taxes, less government intervention. You know, there's a fascinating piece on the Drudge Report. What do you think, just in the top of your mind, the top one, what is it, 1,000, if I can find it, 409 taxpayers, the richest 1,409 taxpayers in America? Well, guess what? That, the 1,409 taxpayers pay more tax than the bottom 70 million Americans. The top three, this is according to latest in, information coming from uh, Bloomberg, and it's the year 2016. But individual taxes are paid by, think about this, the top 3% pay the majority of everything. The top 1% paid a greater share of individual income taxes and literally than the bottom 90%. Top 1% pays more than 90%. The top 50% paid all the taxes. 97%. We have redistribution. The bottom 50% of Americans only pay 3% of the bill. That's it. The individual income tax system is designed to be progressive. It is. It is redistribution of wealth. We already have the system. And then when you get a little bit of your crumbs back, because the, pe the only ones that are getting crumbs back are people that pay. You know, but for the middle class, that's a lot of money, one in $2,000. And to say you want the crumbs back is ridiculous. That we had, our, our previous deposition was cut off early. We, go, we, we ran out of time, so we need him back in there where we're going to ask more about that specific meeting that took place and then his conversations with people who were in that meeting, how those went and who all he talked to. So the, all those things need to be asked. 
Well, you now have so many different people communicating information to the FBI about the Russia investigation. Remember, you had Nellie Orr, who we're going to uh, interview later this week. Nellie Orr's husband, who's a top official of the DOJ, was getting information that he was passing on to the FBI. You had Glenn uh, Simpson and, and actually uh, Christopher Steele, the guy who wrote the dossier, passing information directly to the FBI. And now we know that the chief lawyer for Perkins Coie, who represented the Democrat National Committee, is giving information to the FBI chief counsel as well. So all these sources giving information to the FBI, I think it was this idea that if the more people you have talking about the big lie, which was the dossier, the more apt people are to believe it. And that's exactly the, 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 the technique and the methods they were trying to use to get people to buy into this dossier that was actually used to go spy on the other, other party's campaign. Well, I mean, look, I've not been a big fan of Mr. Rosenstein. The, the fact is we've asked for the McCabe memos. There's been a subpoena for those. We haven't got those. We have asked to see the document that Mr. Uh, Rosenstein wrote on August 2nd, 2017, which altered the scope of the investigation that Mr. Mueller is doing. We haven't been able to see that. We've asked for specific portions of the FISA. We haven't been able to see that. We've asked for the 302s, that uh, Bruce Orr's 302s, when he had conversations with the FBI detailing what he said to Glenn Simpson and Chris Steele. We have haven't seen that. And John Huber, the guy who was put in charge of the U.S. attorney to look into all this, we've not had one report from him over the last six months since he's been on the job. So take all that and then add into the fact that Rod Rosenstein was a no-show this week and Glenn Simpson's taking the fifth on Tuesday. That is the thing that frustrates me and more importantly frustrates you and the media and those uh, people across this great country who want to know exactly what happened. All right. That, of course, is Jim Jordan speaking out about Russiagate. It is now beginning to get very, very clear that there's a massive cover up going on. Rod Rosenstein now has four people that have identified him as saying that he wanted to wear a wire against the president of the United States of America in the hopes that they could somehow use that to invoke the 25th Amendment. And then, of course, he decided he doesn't want to testify under oath, even in a recorded session, which is what they normally do before Congress last week. And he doesn't show up. All the information that has been subpoenaed now, the obstruction continues. And you just heard Jim Jordan articulate what that is. That means the FISA warrants, the 302s, Gang of Eight information. Uh, we have Representative John Ratcliffe uh, talking about Fusion GPS founder Glenn Simpson. Well, he's now saying and indicated he's going to plead the fifth. He's not saying a word anymore. Uh, he was on Fox News Sunday telling Maria uh, Baratiromo that Glenn Simpson is in real legal jeopardy in all of this. He also confirmed that the FBI has evidence that directly refutes the premise of a uh, Trump-Russia probe. In other words, that there's been and remains exculpatory evidence. It was a great piece by Jonathan Turley. The three reasons Mueller may not charge Trump with obstruction. Apparently, he's not asking any questions about it, but sticking exclusively to whether or not there was any type of collusion, which we all know the answer to. Uh, you have one top Republican lawmaker now saying the FBI failed to provide a federal surveillance court with important evidence. Well, we've known that now for a long time, and we know that four FISA court judges or handed information that was supposed to be verified and corroborated ended up being Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for Russian lies that was put together by Fusion GPS. Interestingly, funneled money through Perkins Coie, a law firm, the hiring of Christi Christopher Steele, a foreign national. He doesn't even stand by the information in the dossier. And it was the bulk of information to get four FISA warrants against the Trump campaign associate in the lead up to the 2016 race. 
All of this comes down to some simple, basic, fundamental things. And they never told the FISA judges that it was Hillary Clinton that paid for this information. And it's unbelievable that this could be happening in this country, but it looks like we're finally beginning get, to get to the bottom of it. At least I hope so. Jason Chaffetz is with us, former congressman, now a Fox News contributor, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Deep State. We have Victoria Tunsing and Joe DeGeneva of DeGeneva and Tunsing with us. Uh, thank you both for being here. Let's start with you, Jason Chaffetz, because this is your wheelhouse. And it seems to me that it doesn't matter what Congress requests as they seek to do their job of oversight, they're never going to get the information from the Department of Justice, and they're not going to get the people they need to talk in front of them under oath. Well, the hard part about when you issue a subpoena, when I was the chairman of the Oversight Commission, uh, <clears throat> Committee, I could issue a subpoena, but the only way to enforce it is through the Department of Justice. And so the weight of the paper really isn't worth much because the DOJ won't enforce its own subpoena, the subpoena issued by Congress. The, the name that people need to also familiarize themselves with is Mark Elias. Mark Elias was counsel at Perkins Coie. He was counsel for the DNC. He was counsel for Hillary Clinton. He was counsel for uh, a Podesta group. He was involved there. This, this guy sits in the middle of a lot of these transactions in the movement of money, and I think more and more you'll start to see his name along with, you know, Orr and Simpson and all these others. Well, I think that, you know, the fact that Simpson is now saying, Victoria, that, well, he's going to plead the fifth and can get away with that. Make him come in and plead the fifth. You know, the idea that they could just threaten to plead the fifth and not have to actually go through with it, I think is important. They should make him show up and do it in front of the TV cameras. Plead the fifth. This is, it's ridiculous to accept a letter from the lawyers. I, and I hope, Jason, you're talking to your former friends and telling them to get them, uh, get him into the Congress to take the fifth. And I don't care if they're not going to um, enforce the subpoena, because I think there are other ways to, to figure out how to do it. You've got a subpoena. You subpoena first, and then you negotiate later. You don't say, oh my, he didn't show up. We were talking and trying to work it out. Now we have to think about subpoenaing. You subpoena. And then you say, you can't make it Wednesday, then you make it Thursday. I I can't believe there's no cojones. Well, I mean, I'm trying to understand. I mean, the president said that there would be declassification and all the materials that Jim Jordan was just talking about would be unredacted and we'd have a chance to see the FISA warrants, the gang of eight information, the 302s between uh, Bruce Orr and Christopher Steele and how they wanted to funnel that information straight into Robert Mueller's office, uh, Joe DeGeneva. But, you know, the idea, why do I think even with you and Victoria as my attorneys, that I wouldn't get away with just saying, oh, I'm going to plead the fifth, leave me alone now, or, or not handing over subpoenaed materials to Congress. Well, I don't think there's any question that Congress has dropped the ball on enforcing its own subpoenas. But, but l- let me just say this, because this is really important. All the names that you have heard, Michael Sussman, Mr. Elias, Simpson, or all those people, they are key to everything that was done in the United States. What's fascinating is what happened in the United Kingdom, which we, the Congress hasn't and can't issue any subpoenas for. We now know that the FBI asked MI6 and the GCHQ to conduct electronic surveillance of American cities, citizens on foreign soil without legal authority to do so. And that information was, in fact, in the conversations of George Papadopoulos 
were intercepted. And in the course of intercepting those conversations, they found out that Papadopoulos was not interested in Hillary's emails or anything else, and they never gave that information to the FISA courts. You know, it seems, Congressman Chaffetz, that every piece of the puzzle now is falling in place. I think we now understand what the insurance policy was. Lisa Page testifying that in the, in the nine months of the investigation leading up to the appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller, that they had no evidence of Trump-Russia collusion at all. Um, and by the way, even her lover Peter Strzok said the same thing. He said, well, I'd be all in if there was something there. There's no there there. And then all of a sudden, we find the media leak strategy that they discussed. And this is where Andrew McCabe comes in, James Baker comes in, and other people come in. And what we see is, again, it goes back to the Clinton bought and paid dossier. That dossier information is leaked out to the media, creating the impression that, in fact, there was Russia-Trump collusion. But they did it themselves. They took the, again, it's, it's all, they were doing the leaking so that they can appoint the special counsel, so then the witch hunt could be, begin. I mean, is there any part of the puzzle that isn't clear to you? Because it's getting very clear to me. No, it is becoming uh, crystal clear. And that's why Jim Jordan is exactly right. The people that were in that meeting, and remember the timing of this meeting, this meeting happens directly after um, Mr. Comey is relieved of his duties, but just before uh, Mr. Mueller is put into place. And you have to understand who's in that meeting, what was discussed. It sounds like Baker is being the most candid about what was going on there. But each of the people in that meeting should be brought in for its own, their own deposition, uh, transcribed under oath uh, before Congress. So you don't have these five-minute little, you know, asking of questions. When you do those, and I've been in these, they can go for an hour for the Republicans, then the Democrats get time, then another hour for Republicans, and you can really get in-depth information if they would do it that way. Well, Victoria, I think that's true, and that's right, and that's just, and that's fair, but the obstruction continues. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back more with Jason Chaffetz and Joe DeGeneva, also Victoria Tunsing with us. All right, as we continue with Jason Chaffetz and uh, Victoria Tunsing and Joe DeGeneva with us. Look, I think the hope is this. I think the hope for the deep state is that they get to November, that we get to Election Day in 22 days and the Democrats win back the House because they know at that point all these investigations will will close. They'll shut them down. They'll stop them in their tracks. And then the witch hunt against Donald Trump begins anew and they'll try to impeach the president. And then if we get some somebody with uh, uh, certitude in the Justice Department, they can do a criminal investigation. There's also criminal, uh, I mean, civil uh, litigation that's possible. For example, Carter Page. The discovery in a case that Carter Page could bring would open up all kinds of information about what what. How long would that discovery take? Because I know Carter Page is moving forward with the lawsuit. Well, it, it just depends on the judge where you where you file the case, whether it's a slow docket or a rocket rocket docket. But none of this could have been done, Sean, without the complicit cooperation of the media, without those journalistic of David Korn and Mike Isikoff putting out the information, just regurgitating the information that they received from. Uh, the, the people who were doing this behind the scenes. The see, I, I, I can't the believe that there's not enough outrage to realize what has actually gone on here. 
is you have a dossier, a series of reports put together known as the dossier by Christopher Steele. That's Hillary Clinton, DNC funneled money through a law firm, Perkins Coie, hiring Fusion GPS, an op research firm. Then they hire Christopher Steele. And they put together unverified, uncorroborated, and mostly now what turns out to be debunked information, Joe DeGeneva. First, they use it to hurt Donald Trump in the general election. You know, the stories about, you know, Russian hookers urinating in the bed in a, in a Moscow Ritz-Carlton, for example. That's all being leaked even by high members within our intelligence community for the purposes of influencing the election with a, with a series of lies and propaganda. Then the same information is used again to create a special counsel and to really delegitimize and hopefully dismantle the presidency of Donald Trump. That's what it came down to. Well, there's no doubt about it, uh, Don, uh, Sean, that as Victoria and I have been saying now for 18 months, there was a brazen plot, a brazen plot to exonerate Hillary Clinton illegally. And then if she lost the election to frame Donald Trump. And that is exactly what they did. These people were motivated by an animus toward Donald Trump, which led them to fabricate evidence, to use foreign intelligence services to fabricate evidence to wiretap Americans overseas. And then when they found exculpatory evidence, for example, that would have favored George Papadopoulos, they hid it from the FISA court. There is no doubt that a number of people from John Brennan, James Clapper, on down all the way into the White House committed crimes. And if Jeff Sessions and Rod Rosenstein cannot figure out a way to do this, and by the way, John Huber out in Utah, that's a head fake. He's doing nothing. Six months without a report, unless he brings a bunch of indictments tomorrow, he's useless. This is an outrage what Jeff yeah. Sessions and Rosenstein have tolerated. I know the president's waiting till after the election to get rid of them, and I say to hell with both of them. All right. Thank you. What's going to happen, Jason? Do you see a new attorney general down the road? Not soon enough. I just put up a piece that I wrote about why Sessions can't go soon enough. He's worthless. He's there in name only. There really should be a, se a second special counsel to look into Brennan and all these cast of characters we've been talking about over the last few minutes. They, they, the president needs that in place. Well, here, can here. the president here, make here. that decision himself? Yeah, absolutely. He can push that forward. Uh, he, and, and releasing the documents to Congress? Absolutely. Yep, I think all that needs to happen. Uh, all right, 22 days before the election. We'll see what goes on from here. Uh, thank you all for being with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. What happened to this Washington Post reporter, uh, Jamal Sh uh, Khashoggi? Um, accusations that the Saudi crown prince is involved in the murder of this journalist. We'll get into that. We'll also have the latest on the rioting that took place over the weekend, both in Portland and New York City, and much, much more as we continue. Busy news day here on the Sean Hannity Show, only 22 days till Election Day. I read your son-in-law's got on the phone and asked the prince, did he, what, did he deny it? Did he... They deny it. They deny it every way you can imagine. In the not-too-distant future, I think we'll know an answer. What are your options? Let's say they did. What are your options? Would you consider imposing sanctions as a bipartisan group of senators have proposed? Well, it depends on what the sanction is. I'll give you an example. They are ordering military equipment. Everybody in the world wanted that order. Russia wanted it. China wanted it. We wanted it. We got it. And we got all of it. Every bit of it. So would you cut that off? Do I, well, I tell you what I don't want to do. Boeing, Lockheed, Raytheon, all these companies. I don't want to hurt jobs. 
I don't want to lose an order like that. And you know, there are other ways of uh, punishing. punishing, to use a word that's a pretty harsh word, but it's true. Tell everybody what's at stake here. You know, this well, is there's a, a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake, and maybe especially so because this man was a reporter. There's something, you'll be surprised to hear me say that, there's something really terrible and disgusting about that if that were the case. So we're going to have to see. We're going to get to the bottom of it, and there will be severe punishment. By the way, the president on 60 Minutes last night talking about the mysterious disappearance of this reporter, Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, We have some new updates for you on it. It looks like the Saudis are preparing to admit that he was killed in an interrogation gone wrong. We'll get to that in a second. We do have other breaking news. uh, 25 now till the top of the hour. Glad you're with us. Uh, It looks like in Maine, the Bangor Police Department, along with the fire department and the local hazmat crew, are on site at Susan Collins's Maine home investigating a suspicious package. The state's criminal investigation division is also assisting at the ongoing probe and reports of the alleged threat came after Collins, uh, of course, gave a key vote as it relates to confirming Justice Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Prior to the vote, her office was deluged with threats against the senator and her staff. In one case, the person didn't leave a name or number. They threatened to literally rape one of my young female staffers, Collins quoted in the Wall Street Journal. Last weekend, Collins returned to Maine after Kavanaugh was sworn into office and addressed the media regarding her decision. And she told uh, reporters the supplemental FBI report that she pushed for was a turning point that helped to reach the decision to support Kavanaugh, despite the accusations that were leveled against him. She actually gave due process. Um, I've had this happen to me. White powder sent to my office once. I had an assistant that had to spend what, the, the very rest of the day in a panic state in isolation because of this white powder, you know, these things that people do. And in some cases, it's actually real, as in the anthrax case. Uh, one other news about this, more news on the Senate before we get to the issue of Khashoggi. Uh, in Georgia, you know, this blue wave is a midterm election. Is uh, apparently, according to a Georgia gubernatorial candidate, saying, well, that's going to include illegal aliens. But the thing of it is, the blue wave is African-American. It's white. It's Latino. It's Asian Pacific uh, Islander. It is disabled. It's differently abled. It's uh, LGBTQ. It's law enforcement. It's veterans, uh, the candidate said. And then Stacey Abrams is her name. And it's made up of those who are told they're not worthy of being here, those who are documented and those who are undocumented. So I guess she's saying that the blue wave is going to include undocumented people voting in Georgia. That's going to be interesting. The GOP nominees by the guy by the name of Brian Kemp telling Fox News that Abrams wants the illegals to vote in Georgia. He said, I think hardworking Georgians should decide who their governor is, not people here illegally like what my opponent wants. And adding that it would be unlawful for undocumented immigrants to vote in a gubernatorial election. By the way, I told you last week about Kristen uh, Cinema. Now, she's going up against Martha McSally, one of the important races that we're following, and how she uh, had referred to her own home state and people in her state of Arizona being crazy and the meth capital of the world. And, well, the Washington Examiner apparently found emails that show Cinema herself inviting a prominent group 
I'm not making this up. I'm reading from the Washington Examiner of feminist witches in Arizona called Pagan Cluster to celebrate International Women's Day and to protest the war in a march in 2003. I guess that would be the same war that her opponent, Martha McSally, was risking her life in and fighting for. Anyway, the cinema campaign would not say why she invited the witches or clarify why she thought members of the occult deserved a seat at the table during discussions concerning war and peace. The witches in question, it should be noted, claimed to practice only nonviolent magic. Cinema encouraged the witches to wear colorful clothing, come ready to dance, twirl, and stay in touch with your inner creativity and with the earth. I, I don't even know what to say. Anyway, the people of Arizona, you paying attention? Uh, we have a breaking tape that we're going to, that Claire McCaskill's team is going to want to pay very close attention to. Now, last week we showed you the tape, Project Veritas, with uh, the campaign surrounding Bredesen, who is the former go- governor of the state of Tennessee and now is running for the open Senate seat of Bob Corker. Corker but thank goodness, Marsha Blackburn has now pulled out a 14-point lead in the latest polls. She was down for a little while. A lot of people were concerned about it, but I think now that they see that Bredesen's staff is basically saying he's saying one thing to the people of Tennessee and planning to do something very differently, well, wait do you see the tape that we have tonight as it relates to Claire McCaskill, another important red state Democrat Senate race that's going on. Remember, you vote for Claire McCaskill, you might as well vote for Schumer. You vote for any Democratic congressman, you might as well vote for Pelosi. If you stay home because you don't feel like voting and you're being lazy, well, that's a half a vote for Pelosi and Schumer. All right, let me get into this this case that has really been a mystery in terms of a global affair crisis. Um, The president now said that he has dispatched his secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, to Saudi Arabia immediately to discuss what's been going on here, and it gets almost more bizarre by the second. Now, the allegation has been that the Saudi crown prince ordered the killing of this guy, Jamal Khashoggi. Now, he's a Saudi national who's been critical of the Saudi royal family. He's Washington Post contributor, and he's a U.S. resident, but he's not a citizen. He entered the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, October the 2nd, he hasn't been seen by anybody since that day. The Turkish government had suggested that Khashoggi was killed by a 15-member Saudi hit team who then dismembered his body and smuggled it out of the consulate in pieces to an unknown destination. But so far, the evidence supporting that up to today has been zero. Some reports claiming that Khashoggi's murder was recorded, but to date, no audio tape, no videotape. Not even the Turkish government, which is no great friend of America, is currently feuding with Saudi Arabia over other issues, saying it absolutely, saying it's absolutely sure Khashoggi was killed by anyone. They can't say it, let alone the Saudis. Now, this just began to break moments ago, and uh, reports have now surfaced that Saudi Arabia is preparing a report in which, in fact, they will admit Jamal Khashoggi. This is the Washington Post columnist now. This is a very dangerous, we start seeing journalists killed went missing earlier this month, was killed by an interrogation gone wrong. Um, When he entered, I guess, the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. All right, here to talk about it, we have Morgan Ortega is with us, national security global affairs analyst, former U.S. Treasury attache to Saudi Arabia, lived in Saudi Arabia two years. Uh, She, along with Dan Bongino, former Secret Service agent, 
author as well of the now best-selling book, uh, Spygate. Thank you both for being with us. Um, Morgan, you lived in Saudi Arabia two years. This just breaking. This has been a mystery up until like an hour ago. What do you think? Right. Yeah, yeah, Sean, I lived there for most of 2010 and 11. I I anticipated something like this breaking, and the reason I did is because when the president said this morning that he's sending Secretary Pompeo to Saudi Arabia, that means the Secretary of State, one of the busiest people in the world, certainly in the government, has canceled all of his plans to fly halfway around the world. Um, I I knew it was incredibly serious then, and that the Saudis uh, were were going to be under tremendous pressure to come clean with whatever it is. So if the reports are to be believed, and we're still going to have to to see if, if the reports uh, out there is what, what comes out, uh, is that the Saudis are claiming some sort of responsibility for this. It looks like they're not going to, they're, they're going to claim that senior leadership was not involved, but that people uh, in charge of it who ordered it would be held accountable. There's a lot to well, break How is it they didn't know until now? Because how would they not know until now uh, when it happened in their consulate in Istanbul? That's a fantastic question, and I think the big takeaway that I have from this report, and we'll see what happens when Secretary Pompeo meets with them and what the readout is, is the Saudis not only need to to come clean on this and, and satisfy President Trump and Secretary Pompeo, you know, they also have an audience in the, in the Congress, in the Senate, that they're also accountable to. Mind you, this massive arms deal is a memorandum of understanding. It has not been signed by the president. There's bipartisan consensus for sanctions. People like Rand Paul have actually been very vocally um, unsupportive of the relationship. I don't agree with Senator Paul for a number of reasons that I could go into of why I think the relationship is, is important, but the Saudis need to understand how serious this is. We need to know who's going to be held accountable, and I think that they're going to continue to see massive uh, uh, movement away from their big finance forum, which is just a few weeks. Secretary Mnuchin's supposed to be there. We saw the Dow sell off this afternoon as reports. As well, the they were threatening. threatening. a lot of stake here. Yeah, well, they were threatening, you know, maybe even using the power of their oil if, in fact, any uh, if there was a price to pay or any retribution from the U.S. Dan Bongino, I mean, this is getting more bizarre by the minute. How does somebody in this particular case walk into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul and never get seen again? Yeah, that, that's highly unlikely, Sean. There are really two aggravating factors here. One, you already brought up the fact that this happened um, in a consulate, um, a diplomatic facility. Where that, that, I mean, that breaks every single uh, protocol, moral, ethical rule imaginable. Secondly, Sean, uh, aggravating as well. I mean, aggravating is, is probably enormous, uh, an enormous understatement here, is that he was a member of the media. Not that this is ever permissible. Please, I'm not saying, I'm just suggesting that this makes this even worse on the scale of savagery. The fact that this individual, uh, Kosogi, was a member of the media makes it even worse. Now, how could it happen in a diplomatic facility like that without uh, higher-ups somehow knowing? That's highly unlikely. But having said that, you know, there's there's two sides of this. There's the side that said, wait back, let's see, let's get the facts. Looks like some of the facts are starting to come out now. But we do need the Saudis. There's This is not a, 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 as simple as a black and white situation. We do need the Saudis. and the, the relationship with the Israelis is starting to improve. We need them. We're on a razor's edge with the Iranians and their nuclear program. So this has to be viewed that way. And I do think Trump gets that. One more thing, though, Sean. I, I think the Saudis did screw up big time when they seemingly tried to make these veiled threats that they were going to respond yeah. if we were this had to be responded to there was not you can't just let this go so that was a bad move yeah May very something there to, to yeah. Show, and just to say the, the thing that not only the threats that worried me what dan just said 
it's seemingly the Saudis need to answer why they lied to the president on this. You know, the president came out and said that the king and Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, had called Jared Kushner, who's working on this peace deal. Unless there's something that we don't all know about, it looks like they have lied to the president. And I think that they need to, there's a lot of explaining to be done there. Well, I think they're going to try and pass it on to an underling that was in the consulate in, in Istanbul and say, oh, we didn't know. But, I mean, I, I can't imagine for a second that they don't have cameras all over that consulate in Istanbul. You spent two years in the in the in Saudi Arabia. Year I'm a, and a half year. And, well, okay, year and a half, but I mean, the, the treatment enough. of women, <laughs> I have chronicled a lot on this program, and life under Sharia, and women voting and driving, etc., and, and being told how to dress, uh, being told that granted permission if they can travel abroad, etc. Um, right. I'm sure you had to cover up if you left, if you went out in public anywhere, what was life life like for you as a woman living under Sharia there? You know, this is such an excellent point that you're bringing up, Sean, and the reason is is that what we actually saw in the last year was a modernization in Saudi. We saw women being able to drive. We saw the, the with the robe, the, the garment that I had to wear is called the abaya uh, that you wear. It sort of looks like a high school graduation robe. People have seen it on television probably, or if you live in a major U.S. city, you may have some people seen people who dress observantly. But it's such a great point, Sean, that people aren't talking about. What you just said is that it has been an incredibly repressive regime as it relates to women's rights for many years. And, and this new... And this new uh, well, they're also repressive as it relates to Judaism and Christianity, and gays oh, and lesbians are either flogged or killed. Isn't that true? Absolutely. And, and, but that's, for me, what's so unfortunate about this incident and why I hope it gets corrected very quickly is that we were actually seeing a modernization in Saudi. We were seeing liberal, you know, a, a more liberal approach to women's rights, to women's education, to women's driving. And that's why the crown prince had built up such goodwill around the world is because he was taking a different approach. So it really saddens me to see them go so far backwards from what was really an, an important drive over the past year to change things. All right. Last word, Dan Bongino. Yeah, Morgan's right. They were trying to diversify the economy, get away from uh, strictly petrodollars. And I mean, this is an enormous, enormous step back, Sean. You know, there, there's no covering this up. If they have to admit that they did this and, and the details of this come out, and they're as horrific as we think, um, there's going to be some explaining to do. I just encourage everybody to keep the whole global picture in mind here. Uh, when doing it, we can't start World War Three over this. Although some, there has to be uh, some form of uh, of coming clean by the Saudis and some form of uh, of retribution. There's no doubt. It sounds like they want to pass it on to people in the consulate, and I don't believe for a second that they didn't know. Uh, at least the Crown Prince didn't know sooner than this. Uh, all right, thank you all. Appreciate it, uh, Morgan Ortega and uh, our good friend. Uh, Dan Bongino, 800-941-SEAN is on number. Next hour, by the way, we've got a lot coming up. We'll get back to the rioting that took place in New York and in Portland over the weekend. Sally Cohn, she identifies herself as part of the resistance, but she'd never be a part of this. Trust me. Uh, We'll get to that uh, and uh, so much more. Your call's coming up.
The way we implement change, the way we implement change in America is through elections. We change governments here at home in an orderly and formal way. And in that orderly and formal way and lawful way, we need to overthrow the government of the United States under Donald Trump. No, no, no. I don't invite think... Morton as an individual. If I want to go fight in the Taliban army, I go over there and I, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for the Taliban. I'm saying that's a personal decision. I don't care if you want to do that. I don't care if you go fight for the Taliban. That was Kristen uh, Cinemas running for the Senate against Martha McSally out in Arizona, which is a, an important race. And we've had all these revealing tapes prior to that. Uh, Alec Baldwin, we need to throw or overthrow the government. Uh, that's added to a lot of violence that happened over the weekend. Bernie Sanders, he wouldn't, he would not condemn the protesters and the, the, the bear spray, the bloody brawls. It was at what's called a Patriot prayer rally law and order March in Portland. And it got ugly and it got ugly fast as you had that group, uh, battling and, and facing off and what became a riot pretty much with, uh, the group Antifa. Uh, using bear spray, bear fists, batons, thrashing each other outside of what's known as Kelly's Olympian, a popular bar in, on Southwest Washington Street. There was an incident in New York between different groups, some group that identifies themselves, I've never heard of them before, Proud Boys uh, versus, versus some other left-wing protesters. Um, you think any of this might be connected to the rhetoric that we've been hearing Maxine Waters and Eric Holder and Hillary Clinton. You can't be civil and kick them and get, you know, follow them into department stores and gas stations. You know, maybe on the heels of nobody in the Democratic Party condemning what happened to Pam Bondi, Kirsten uh, Nielsen, the Secretary of Homeland Security, or Sarah Sanders or Ted Cruz and his wife in a restaurant or Mitch McConnell at an airport. You know, let's just play a little bit of uh, some of the marching orders. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. Please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. But Michelle says that, you know, when they go low, we go up. No. No. They go low, we kick them. That's what this new Democratic Party is about. They go low, we kick them. Get in their face. Create out of your crowd. Push back. You're not welcome here anymore. Follow them into gas stations, department stores, etc. Get up in their face. Wow. I condemn the violence on all sides here. I, I don't Antifa, Patriot, Prayer, Proud Boy. I don't care who you are. This is this is the United States of America. This is not, you know, some banana republic where people are out there killing each other in the streets every day. Uh, I invited on somebody that I disagree with strongly politically, but I think makes a good point and condemns all of this with me. 
Uh, Sally Cohn, she's a, a, a super hard left winger, if you don't mind me saying so. The author of the <laughs> book, The Opposite of Hate, and the host of uh, State of Resistance, a podcast. Uh, do you tell people to follow Pam Bondi and and Sarah Sanders' family and and Secretary Nielsen into restaurants and get in their faces and confront them and create a crowd and push back? And you, Is that advice you give people? So, you know, Sean, this is one where, uh, first of all, hi, nice to hear your voice. Uh, and this See, is Sally where, hates when she has to honest. agree with me. She's going to now, you, like... No, 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 I'm not. I'm going to no, I'm gonna tell you the answer, which is uh, when I was an organizer, you know, before you and I met, I was a community organizer, and I used to organize protests like these, you know, going to people's workplaces, uh, you know, not just the halls of Congress, right, which are the where the people's business is supposedly done, but we're talking people's lawns, et cetera. Um, you know, look, I support, I'm a free speech absolutist. I support free speech on all sides. So am I. And these, and these protests, those sorts of protests now make me uncomfortable. And look, I did speak out against, uh, you know, going up to, you know, and uh, accosting people in restaurants, uh, you know, what happened to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, et cetera. I do think you are... I love you saying you're denouncing both sides because you're kind of ignoring, you know, uh, Donald Trump. Ignoring saying, what? I'd like to punch. I'd like to punch him in the face or knock the crap out of them or, you know, maybe they should have been roughed up or, you know, that that if we're going to talk about violent rhetoric and we're going to look, I think it's all bad, but like his rhetoric. This is now the tactics of, of the of the hard of the hard left. You know, people don't like when when the president says, you know, fake news and they're not real news people and they're phony journalists. I think that's just that's the exercise of free speech. Am I hearing you right? You used to organize protests in front of people's houses. You did hear me correctly. Yes. Why would you do that knowing that there could be kids, women and children in a house? Because I kind of have a rule. Leave the women and children alone. Well, I, I have maybe I have maybe you'll say that sexist. I don't know. Maybe I'll be accused of being. Be, some of those policymakers might be women, so leave the husbands and children alone too, or the partners, or whatever. Again, Sean, I'm not saying it uh, as uh, some kind of bragging rights. I'm saying it because my position on that has changed. But the, uh, but what we are hearing now regularly is these sound to me like marching orders: create a crowd, no. push back. Follow them into gas stations, department stores, restaurants. If you see a cabinet member, you go at them. Get in their face. Um, I'm not hearing that yeah, from the Republican side. And my point to you is this. Look, I think it's very hard to tie. I, I, don't, I wasn't there. I only watched what when the fights had started, the videos that, that everybody's been putting online. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be honest, I think Rand Paul, and we saw what happened in the Brett Kavanaugh hearings during the hearings, which is fine. That was free speech. I didn't have any problem with that at all. But I think we've gotten to the point where we're going to have to kick out citizens so that the men and women of Congress get to walk the halls without what's now becoming, I think, a dangerous confrontation zone. You know, there have been protests on the left and on the right in Congress, including disrupting hearings. And by the way, all within the last few weeks, both sides have been doing it. Yeah, but I said I don't have a problem with the the speaking part, but I do have a problem if they're not letting these people walk. They're screaming at them. They're in their face. And something's going to happen, Sally. Here's here's my fear. Is this rhetoric is now crossed the line if you're talking about physical violence, confronting members of the government, you know, you know, one thing I and I'll pull the tape, I'll play it for you right now. 
I always well, said wait. about Obama <laughs> that, number one, leave his kids alone, that, he, that both he and Michelle seemed like good parents. They really did. And I, and I meant it sincerely. And I also said, we've got to protect our presidents. And I said it when Obama was president so many times, I could play a loop of it if you'd like to hear it. Wait, I don't need to. But what I would love you to play is, again, look, first of all, you're ignoring the masses of nonviolent protests, the phone calls, the petitions, the whatever. Those are the marching orders. And second of all, you you're seem to be ignoring the examples of Donald Trump at a rally when people were stood up protesting him saying, try not to hurt him. If you do, I'll defend you in court. Don't worry about it. Now, you want to talk marching orders for violence. Okay. Really Number one, nothing has happened. Number one, nothing has happened. So, it's sort of like what but people are okay, saying. Let's, in the, let's talk no, about no, 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 no. If you want let's me to answer the question, I didn't take that as it's the same intensity and message as I'm hearing regularly. This is an everyday thing that is now happening with the Democratic Party. And by the way, I have the evidence of me saying about Obama. Let me play. I mean, you're talking about protecting the president of the United States of America. And it's just there's no room for error. You've got to protect our president. That that represents the free world. So they've got a very difficult job. They've got to almost be perfect. And anytime any incident happens uh, lately, it's becoming pretty high profile. Mr. Speaker, you're going to have strong feelings about this. We've now learned that. This guy that broke into the White House, not only did he get in the door, but he knocked down a Secret Service agent, went into three different rooms of the White House and passed the stairs that would have gone right up to the the residence of of the Obamas. That is extraordinarily chilling to me. Well, yeah. You're welcome, Sally Cohn. Yeah, yeah. Listen, here's what I think we agree on. Violence is bad. I hope we both agree. The, The thing I, and I will, and I have, actually, and written about it. Uh, you know, Hillary Clinton's recent comments, Eric Holder's recent comments, I've spoken out about them and against them. Now, there is also a very, very visible pattern. Comment after comment after comment of Donald Trump. I'll beat the crap out of you. Part of the problem is nobody wants to hurt anyone anymore. In the good old days, we used to rough them up, treat them very, very rough. So, first of all, let's be fair about both sides of this. And, and that does go to this past weekend where you had two right-wing hate groups that, by several accounts, both this weekend and you the You referred to Antifa the as a left-wing... Whoa, 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 slow down. No, you, I'm is, talking about the is Antifa boys. is a quick break. We'll come back more with Sally Cohn on the uh, other side, and we'll get to your calls. All right, as we continue with Sally Cohn, author of The Opposite of Hate, host of the podcast State of Resistance. Listen, I'm asking you, do you say... I don't know, I've never heard of that group before this weekend. Do you ever, is Antifa a hate group? A left-wing hate group? Uh, I By whose definitions? I, I don't know. If well, they, were, listen, they, were, they were right there in the middle of the brawl I fighting. With, as a matter of fact, I'll read from one of the Portland news outlets. It actually said that the members, the people, when all of it erupted, that in fact it was, the, it was Antifa that had come with all of the in their black clad adversaries known as Antifa, they use bear spray, bear fist, batons, et cetera, et cetera. So why won't you say it's a left wing hate group? Saying because well, I'm listen, because you like because it's OK with, if it's left wing. Hang on, hang on, hang on, Sean. It would appear that your familiarity with uh, the, the, the Proud Boys is as thin as mine with uh, Antifa. Right. Antifa like, has not, been in the news forever and we've chronicled what they represent and the things yeah. they've done and said. I've never actually met any 
one from Antifa. Look. Okay, but they've been all with. over the place Anybody, and all over the news. This is the first time question, I ever heard John. of this group. And by the way, um, if they're going to go out there and create fights and start brawls, I'm not, I won't support them. That's right. I agree, too. Now, whether a group, we're getting into semantics. Whether a group is a hate group has to do with its ideology and what it's doing. Well, it why can't you say these, that? So, so this is the first weekend are. you've heard of Proud Boys, which is supposed to be, a, I read, a male chauvinist group. Um, and the, that's the first time you've heard about it. First time I've heard about it. Antifa's been in the news for how long now? And you're telling me, well, I'd barely know anything about them. And you're also telling me something that I find kind of disturbing from you. And that is <laughs> you used to get in front of Sean. people's houses and stand oh, on their Sean. lawns and screaming at their houses. What are you doing that for? Okay. Hang on a second. You need to get a job. You didn't hear me. I said, <laughs> uh, you're hiring? Listen, first things first. I said, it sounds to me both of, like both of them are hate groups. Either way, they're both engaging in uh, violence towards service of some end. And I never think violence is the solution. I don't think hate is the solution to hate. I don't think violence is the solution to violence. And that's that. So uh, number one and number two. Well, what do you think is going to happen if I, people listen to Maxine I'm, Waters and follow uh, create crowds if you see cabinet officials, follow them into grocery stores, gas stations, department stores? What do you think is going to happen? What's the likely scenario if they listen to her? Well, I don't know. what. Look what happened when Trump was inciting his followers to violence. I guess, again, look, there's a big difference. Again, to you're me. talking Sean, about a I'm campaign still, event before Sean, 2016. Sean, I'm still talking about. <laughs> Boy, you make this hard. Listen, I, as I said, I didn't like uh, those statements. I did not support them. I'll continue to not support them. And at the same time, what Maxine uh, and others are talking about is, uh, Congresswoman Waters are talking about, is getting is getting visible and active and and speak and that is part of democracy. Democracy can be messy and ugly, and it is part of free speech. And if we believe in free speech, I may not like it, and I said I don't like it, but I will still defend it. Now that okay. is very. I'll different. defend it as that well, but I am telling you, Trump somebody's going to get killed. Mark, I, I, yeah. somebody is going to be severely hurt or killed. Well, I watched the brawls the this weekend. There's no good. I don't care if they're right wing or left wing. If they're involved in this brawling, somebody is going to get severely hurt or right. killed. And so I don't want it to happen to anybody. I, listen so to me. I don't want to have. I don't want it to happen to anybody. I hear you, man, and I believe you, Sean. I believe you, and I don't want it to happen to anyone either. All right, I got to run. Okay. Thank you, Sally. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. In the world of politics. Stupidity is all too common. Congressman Engel. No, you uh, have not. Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had been talking to me. Some people will stop at nothing to take control of Congress. The blue wave is coming. But two unlikely heroes are among us. face of hypocrisy, Diamond and Silk will stop at nothing. He called the police. Uh-huh. Maxine Waters! Where you at? Nancy Pelosi! Where you at? To expose. We need answers! Right now! The Dummy Grants. Come on, Silk. You ready? I'm ready. Donald Let's go. J. Trump mm-hmm. for President Incorporated paid Diamond and Silk. Mm-hmm. $1,274.94 for field consulting. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? We're familiar with that particular lie. We can see that you do look at fake news. 
um, what happened is, and what should have happened is, you should have come to our mouths to see what exactly happened right. before a false narrative was put out there about the $1,274.94. So let me explain right now to you. There may have been a mistake from the Trump campaign whenever they uh, wrote what the $1,274.94 right. was for. Actually, this was for because we uh, was asked to join the Women for Trump tour back in 2016. And Ms. Laura Trump asked that our airline tickets be refunded back to us right. because we paid for those tickets when we went from New York to Ohio. I have the email right here which substantiate what happened on September the 11th whenever Laura Trump wrote to Allen to tell them to reimburse us. So that one I appreciate that explanation. So now let me just ask you one final question. No, it was for a reimbursement. I understand. That's right. Not feel I've never been paid never by the Trump campaign. I appreciate that. All right, that our friends Diamond and Silk, when they had to testify before Congress, we can't even make this stuff up. Well, uh, before we get to your calls here, I wanted to check in with my good friends. They have a brand new movie out. It's called Dummy Crat, and um, it's uh, at the, their their premiere, I guess, at the Trump Hotel in D.C. tonight. And uh, it's about draining the swamp and how they're on a mission to expose what the left is and. They join us now. Diamond and Silk, how are you? Oh, we're wonderful. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing real. Listen, I'm proud. So this is like a feature film. Is it going to be in movie theaters or you're doing a Fathom event or what are you doing? Okay, so it is a Fathom event. It's in theaters nationwide across the country. It's dummycrackthemovie.com to go get your tickets. You can see what city it's premiering in. It's a one-night premiere tonight and we're hosting our premiere right here in dc at the trump international hotel because a lot of these movie theaters up here discriminated against diamond and so they they would not hold let us hold the premiere in their movie houses but thank god for the trump Whoa. international that allow us to hold the premiere well let me ask this so you have the premiere a fathom event is like a one night only event and this is a one night only premiere fathom event do you know how many theaters you're actually going to be in around the country and it's only tonight Yes. Okay. Well, how many theaters? Do you have any idea? And how can people yes, find out where you're going to be? It's, it's going to be 800 theaters across the country. Oh, so you got a pretty good, you you did get a lot of theaters. So it's going to be tonight. Oh, yes. No, that's tonight. A, yeah. And then are some of the movie theaters carrying the movie afterwards? Hopefully some of the movie theaters will be carrying the movie afterwards. We don't know all of that. All I know is I want people to go get your tickets at dummycratthemovie.com tonight, October the 15th. Yes, get it tonight. Dummycratthemovie.com. Did I get that right? Dummycrats with an S. Dummycratthemovie.com. All right, Dummy Right, crats. it's a one-night premiere tonight. <laughs> right. That's right, Sean. Yeah. We're going to be giving you all the right. truth with the proof. We're going to be giving it to you straight from the gate. We're going to be giving you the facts, and we're not holding nothing back. All right, and congratulations. I hear your tour around the country has been doing phenomenal as well. All right, Diamond and Silk, dummycratsthemovie.com, correct? That's right. Yes. All right, we got, it, we got it straight. Now, we'll put it up on Hannity.com. It's a one-night-only event tonight, and uh, we'll have more information as it becomes available. All right, Diamond and Silk, we love you. Good luck in your premiere love you, tonight. We love you more. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having us. Always. You're always welcome. Um, let's get to our busy phones. We'll go to Atlanta. We'll say hi to... Um, all right, let's go to our phones. We say hi to Robert is in uh, King, North Carolina. Robert, hi. How are you? We're glad you called, sir. Uh, very, very 
very honored to speak with you uh, today, but I do need your help. Um, I have a daughter who's 22. Um, yes, sir. She didn't vote for Trump. She uh, pretty much went against the grain of everything he has done. I luckily have been able to get her to see the good in everything that Trump has done for this country. Where I'm having my problem at is with Judge Kavanaugh. Um, she just I can't get her to see the conservative side of it, how the Democrats are going to badmouth anybody, pull anybody forward to badmouth, you know, our values. And I I can't get her to understand that. I mean, we spent a lot of time going over all of the allegations. And in the case of Professor Ford or Mr. Ramirez or Ms. Swetdeg, et cetera, I mean, in every particular case and. Um, I would just lay out to your daughter and, and go over, you know, what the allegations were, how they came out, where's any corroboration in any of the cases. I mean, I thought the most outrageous one was the final one again by Miss Swetnick, who was claiming and her story shifted and changed dramatically within the course of a week from my perspective. And I think, you know, she was basically claiming almost on a weekend basis that these kids were drugging these young girls, teenage girls and boys were lined up in halls and they were waiting their turn to gang rape the girls. Now, I'm right. very hard pressed. You know, again, the, the media looked high and low, wide and far to find any corroboration. And they weren't able to. In the case of Miss Ford, the one eyewitness she placed in the room said it didn't happen. Uh, even her best friend says she doesn't remember any party that she was at with Judge Kavanaugh. So. You do need some type of corroboration if you believe in due process and presumption of innocence. And I think we I think the Republicans handled it with the sensitivity it deserves, with the severity it deserves, considering the severity of the allegation. But I'm not a person that rushes to judgment. I'm a you have to. I believe that it served this country well to follow the rule of law and due process and a presumption of innocence. And I think that happened in this case. And I think the person that laid out the best case in that was was Susan Collins. Anyway, thank you, Robert. Good luck with that. Um, let me play, you know, 22 days. I just want to remind you. We now know I was telling you earlier in the program today. Democrats are advised. Don't talk about open borders and, and eliminating ICE anymore. It's not helping us. Don't talk about impeachment. It's not helping us. Even Maxine Waters is admitting that they're telling her don't talk about these things. You know, but remember, this will be their agenda in 22 days. They will want endless investigations. They will want impeachment. They want open borders. They want to eliminate ICE. They want Obamacare, and they want their crumbs back. And this woman, Nancy Pelosi, would be your speaker. So pretty much if you vote for a Democrat, you're voting for Nancy Pelosi and her views and her values, which are radical San Francisco views and values. Listen. I say to the candidates, do whatever you have to do. Just win, baby. We have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. In terms of the bonus that corporate America received versus the crumbs that they are giving to workers to kind of put the schmooze on is so pathetic. We're not looking at amnesty. We're never looking at amnesty. I think the issue of citizenship is not just about these young people, which would be justification enough, or about other undocumented uh, uh, immigrants in our country who would, and under a comprehensive immigration reform, should, in my view, be on a path, a long-term path, an earned path. 
This is an earned path to citizenship. I'd never had this experience before, but I was just crowded in in my chair, and I was like, what is happening here? And then I realized that sitting on the chair with me was Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stan, Alice Paul, uh, Sojourner Truth, Lucretia Mott. They were all right there on the chair with me. And perhaps misrepresenting the American people could be cause for impeachment. If so, there's plenty of grounds uh, right now uh, with the current president. But it just they're going to say, if you give them bump stock, it's going to be the slippery slope? I certainly hope so. It said that you would like to institute a single-payer health care program and cancel, raise taxes. I think they mean roll back the tax cuts that they passed this year. Is that, what do you think of that? Well, the second part there is accurate. <laughs> Sanctuary cities is what helps law enforcement. It helps public safety. Their families did a great thing for our country, bringing these kids here who are working, who are in the military, who are in school, who are a, a brilliant part of our future. But I do think that if there's ever going to be an opportunity to raise the gas tax, a time when uh, gas prices are so low, oil prices are so low, is the time to do it. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. If you want to create jobs, the, the quickest way to do it is to provide more funding for food stamps. The Constitution does not say that a person can shout, yell wolf in a crowded theater. I was thinking he was more of a creature that stalked the night, that these things just came out at night like a vampire. I say to the candidates, do whatever you have to do, just win, baby. So that's what's at stake in 22 days, just like in the Senate, if you're in Montana or North Dakota, Indiana, Missouri... If you're in Arizona or Nevada or Florida, well, if you vote for the Democrat, you're voting basically for Chuck Schumer because that's who they're going to vote with. That's that's who they will be. That's who they'll be listening to. That's who they will be aligning themselves with. That's who they will be voting for, for their leader. And we already we've had eight years of this. And the fact that we our memories are that short, it's frightening at times to me. All right, back to our busy phones as we say hi to Skip is in Utah. Skip, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, thank you, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Um, as I listen to you, I hear you ask the question, what do these people run on? And the thing that I see the most that scares me the most is they seem to be running on a hatred for America. Um, you know, I don't know how to put it, but everything that America stands for is just seems to be – being destroyed by these people. I don't want to sweep with a broad brush and say the left the left hates America. I I think there is a a a significant even at times portion of the radical left in this country that literally they hate American exceptionalism, America's role in the world. Um, They don't like our economic system. They believe in they don't believe in capitalism. They support socialism. They want redistribution. They don't want freedom. Um, And you see an anger that has emerged because I think they have now focused all of their anger on Donald Trump and all things Trump. And, you know, it's just it's just pouring out of them. You know, we've tried a lot of these policies. We've tried apologizing. We've tried bribing dictators under Obama. We tried redistribution under Obama. We've tried socialized medicine under Obama. And He's the first president never to reach 3% GDP growth in the history of the country. You know, we know the disaster of Obamacare. No, millions lost their doctors, their plans, 
and they paid twice, three times the amount they were paying in spite of promises. Uh, we know that at the end of his eight years, we had 13 million more Americans on food stamps and 8 million more in poverty. You know, numbers mean something. And frankly, to go back to these failed policies. Now, look, Obama might even be considered moderate compared to where the Democratic Party is in the House and the Senate today. You know, you have one moderate. That's Joe Manchin. That's it. And the rest of them are all pretty radical left. And they don't apologize for their, quote, socialist beliefs. That is the emerging Democratic Party. So when I say that a vote for Pelosi or a vote for your local Democratic congressman or woman is a vote for Pelosi or a vote for in a Senate race in your state is a vote for Schumer, I'm, I'm not kidding. That's real. I used to say that if you stayed home in the election, that's a half a vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm saying pretty much the same thing here. And there's a lot at stake. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, we have a big monologue tonight. The agitation, the, well, I wouldn't say incitement, but certainly marching orders given to people, get in their faces, get a crowd, follow them into the department stores and restaurants. Well, we had a lot of violence over the weekend. We'll get into uh, all of that. Andy McCarthy, Sean Spicer, Mark Pan, and Dan Bongino tonight. Also, we have reporter hits from Kristen Fisher, Catherine Herridge, Morgan Ortegas is going to join us, Sarah Carter, Carter Page, Jessica Tarloff. That's all coming up 9 Eastern tonight. Hannity, Fox News, Hope you'll join us and we'll see you back here tomorrow, 21 days to go till Election Day. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.